never seen a pony that I couldn't stay on, but I seen the underbelly of a bronco time or two. And I've been bit, and I've been kicked, and I've been drugged along the fence a time or two. I'm an old bronco saddle, two swells and a cattle, a raw hide lazy boy. I seen the pet galliponies and the sea lazy ass and the North Cod rank ones. Here we go now. Hey, this is episode 63 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Today, we're going through the top 10 greatest bronc riders in Canadian history. And just so you know, it, they're the bronc riders born in Canada, okay? So just off the bat, don't at me because we didn't include somebody and they lived in Canada or were in Canada for a certain amount of time or were a Canadian champion or whatever. They had to be born in Canada, okay? So that's the deal. This is the show. Um, deal, deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate. I'm looking forward to the comments. Appreciate uh, the feedback. Looking forward to what everybody uh, thinks of the show, and and hope you uh, hope you enjoy it. It was a fun one to build, wasn't it, Wace? Yeah, it was cool to kind of do something that was outside of our element. Because, like, as most people know, we're bull riding guys so it's kind of neat to talk to some people like talk to some guys who knew saddlebunk riding in and out and kind of go dive a little bit deeper into that and there was a lot of questions like if you want to right off the bat let's just talk let's just talk talk mark out rule what do you think ways mm-hmm. keep the mark out rule or, or dump it what's it worth i would i would get rid of it i don't see what value it adds to the show or like to the show just to the event like well like does it really make that much of a difference? Like most guys mark out anyway. Like even when there is no marker, or you see guys in Calgary, they still mark the horse out anyways. It's it like a, sets up your ride. Gonna get a better score, but, I think, too, right? It just kind of shows an extra amount of control, doesn't it? I'd say so, but I don't think it should be extra a, I don't aggressiveness. Be, yeah, I don't know if it, sh- it should be like a, a. You should be disqualified for not doing it. Well, it's such a. A lot of times, a, you, Corey, go ahead. It's a hard thing. There's, yeah, there's like a lot of times too. You see. Like where it's, a guy can't mark a horse out, and I mean you have free roll or whatever, but it should just be more. It should just be in or out kind of thing. More more judgment on the sides of the officials, I think, doesn't make anything easier. Hey, like that's yeah. Not everything happens ideal. so fast, and it's so hard, and like 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 in real time, and like you like calculate in like human error, and I think if you were just to get rid of it, I think you'd just eliminate a lot of confusion and even might make the job a bit easier for the judges they can pay a bit more attention to their ride as a whole instead of mm-hmm. watching that first couple instances of a guy marking a horse out you know yeah i agree and i mean looking at what a conversation storm and i had today was uh with with uh with don and and, and the crew there was the fact that it's kind of crazy to even uh it's kind of wild to even include some of the season stuff if you look at any other sport like the NHL doesn't carry any regular season wins into the playoffs. Like you just got to get in the playoffs. And then once you're there, you got a chance to win, right? Like that actually makes a lot of sense. I get why they, why they add the season stuff when you're talking rodeo. Like I, I get the other conversation, but if you really want to get down to it, it's, it makes it harder for the fan to follow what the hell's going on when you got to be like, including yeah. everything else you could make. Watch for like, that's where, like, you see in the amateur rodeos where there's sort of sudden death format. It works out good for their finals because it kind of plays out as a story, narr- like its own narrative that, that week. week, and people yeah. can follow along with it, right? Yeah. yeah. I know a guy like, like Sage. I know a guy like Sage Kimsey wouldn't agree with us right now because he wins a lot of his money during the season, and might yeah, not have the sure. best finals. And I mean, I think I think it adds even more drama, and it and it kind of it might not 
It puts less emphasis on the regular season, but the regular season is the regular season. It's not the playoffs. So yeah, I think it would. I think it would add. It would add more drama, like you said, to the whole thing, right? Like, yeah, everybody I, has a chance. Would, like everybody has a chance to win coming in, and, and it would put some more pressure on the top guys coming in. It's like, okay, hey, well, you were the best during the season. Now show us how good you are in the playoffs. Like, yeah, even look at like hockey last year. Tampa Bay had the like a rec- oh like a damn near record breaking season. They got swept in the first round. Right, which is. Yeah too bad that's the format and that's that's nhl that's why why partially why the nhl is where it is because they yeah. have a format that works so we look at every major sports league and that's the way it is like there's yeah. the buy, you get the buy round like the nfl is their buy rounds but other than that it's still like the top teams get in and it's a clean slate from there right so what do you think about so the prca like i could see the prca going that route and they did between i think 1976 77 and 78 Actually, a Canadian, uh, Jim Gladstone, our only tight on roping championship, world championship, came in one of those years. I think it was 76. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that way where the NFR was the world champion. If you won the NFR, you were the world champion. So it was that way in the PRCA for a while. And it was that way at the CFR for a very long time until I think like maybe 2000 and, ooh, I don't know, somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was 10 or something. Uh, maybe oh mm-hmm. nine, somewhere in there. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly. I'd have to look back up. But it was uh, it was sudden death of CFR from nineteen seventy four until like mid two thousands. Yeah, and then it's changed to to follow the PRCA route. But I kind of think about it more and think like you know maybe it is worthwhile to just have it at the finals. I, mean, it, I don't know. I, I think it'd be kind of cool, man. It'd, be, it'd add another element of excitement. And yeah, I think you'd see. Yeah, it would, it would, it would, you would see the cream would really rise to the top then too, right? Like the but I mean, are... the, and the other argument to that is that that's not, the, the cream won't rise to the top. The cream from the week rises to the top where the guy that rode good all year is not going to get well, the, it's the same thing. The same thing with like hockey playoffs or baseball playoffs or anything, man. It's just whoever's playing the best at that time is going to win. At the right? finals, yeah. Where yeah. I, I could see it working at the PRCA and, and I think it would actually work, I think it would work better right now because there's so many people that go that, don't make the finals. Like it's one thing to get to the finals. So if you get there and then you win it, then you're the world champ. So I think like, I, I get it, you know? And even if you look, uh, it could, you could do a lot of stuff with it. I, I'm, I'm thinking yeah, I think it, would, it would add it, it would spice it up a little bit. There would definitely be some, uh, people like the purist, the, the traditionalist that wouldn't agree with it, but no, which is, which is fair. But I mean, like you said, like that's what separates, like the every other major, major sport groups nfl else, right nba nhl uh, i want to say MLB. yeah uh yeah mlb major league soccer nascar like what else everything everybody has playoffs and like basically it comes down to who wins the last day of wins where i think i think nascar is similar to like the rodeo structure i think they way, still like... have they still have a playoff and then it's still whoever wins the well, they might have points okay, i don't and then even like yeah, i don't know how and golf would be more similar to rodeo too, in the fact that some of the regular so even so, counts, then, so you, they have big would you, tournaments. Do you, think that that, do you think that would work in the PBR? See, that's what I'm thinking now, because there's such a gap between the guys in you know even in tenth place to to first, to where if you win yeah. the world finals, you're the world champ. Like, but the but then again, the PBR has one race where rodeo has seven, so the PBR can have space to allow fans to focus on the season and the points coming in, and they do a much better job of uh showcasing the points and there's a you know there's points you can see all the time that are updated live 
Um, the live, the scoring's live. The point system is explainable to a point. Um, now, now we change it again now, but, uh, but the yeah, with the PRC with the rodeo, you have seven events to think to look at, right? Compared to one with the PBR, yeah, so that makes sense. So I get for sure their route, but then again, like, and they and they explain it. And they have the points, they have the structure, so I think they are in a position where they could because they only have one title. So I think. Like that's where I was gonna say too. Like the PBR, like I don't think, I don't think they need to change because I because if you change the world finals, then you know I don't I don't know that one's tougher to me. Yeah, the other ones I think could yeah, go, it. but I think the PBR is all right, already a good spot. Mm-hmm. Okay, but back sense. to the markout it's rule. It's just another phony ass <laughs> rule that just complicates things yeah. and makes it harder for our sport to to be followed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it, yeah. In the long run, it would just simplify everything else for the contestants, the fans, and even the judges, right? Like, yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's. A, I think it's yeah. One of those things that you wouldn't miss if it was gone, and it wouldn't make a difference if it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. So here we are, episode sixty-three. We did another one of these shows on number fifty-three back in uh, back in the fall, wasn't it? Like October, we had the show. Yeah, we had the show with uh, with Don Johansson and Chad Bestplug, and did the top ten. Uh, greatest Canadian bull riders ever. And this one is the top 10 greatest saddle bronc riders in Canadian history. Great list. A few honorable mentions on there as well. But uh, check out the show here coming up next, the the interview with uh, with Wayne Vold and Dustin Flunder. Thanks for tuning in. It's Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Well, I straddled them ponies with Kenny McLean, Winston Bruce and even Ivan Danes. The hoof beat thundered and the crowd went wild. And Casey Tip showed them all that style. I'm an old bronze saddle, two swells and a candle. Raw, hot, lazy boy. I seen the Pengale ponies and the sea lazy ass and the North Cod rank ones. There they go now. All right, this is episode number 63 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey, and we are doing another one of our uh, countdown shows, Wasey. It's going to be a pretty good show here today. We've got got a couple great guests, and we're going to have a great discussion. What do you think? Uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's a little bit outside of our area of expertise, but it's nice to have some experts around and have to be able to take the time and chat with us about it, so it should end up pretty good. Our first guest, he's three-time Canadian champion, Dustin Flunder has qualified for the Canadian Finals Rodeo 15 times, also a three-time qualifier for the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Flunder won the Calgary Stampede's $100,000 check in 2014. In 2019, he was selected as the Guy Wiedek Award winner, a crowning achievement of any career. With the career earnings over a million dollars from Pincher Creek, Alberta, please welcome Dustin Flunder. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I like how you called me an expert there in Wacy. That was, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're more of an expert than I am. Yeah, of all of all the things that I've been called, I don't know if an expert in any field is one of them, but no, glad, uh, glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time to do this, Dustin. I got, uh, I got our next guest lined up and I have this special bio that I wrote for him for the Pendleton, Pendleton Roundup back in 2017. And it's, it's a bit more elaborate. So Please don't take offense that this one's longer, but he's the son of legendary Harry Vold. Mr. Wayne Vold didn't take long to begin his own journey into the spotlight and a similar highly regarded place in rodeo's history books. At 13 years old, his first title came with the Calgary Stampede and the Boys Steer Riding. 
Two years later, he was a Canadian champion in the Nova Saddlebronc. And at 22 and 23 years old, Vold would earn back-to-back Canadian Saddlebronc riding championships. In those years, the 2008 Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee would launch the Wayne Vold Rodeo Co., which has gone on to win nearly every major stock contracting championship in North America. Vold's all-star team has included the likes of Try Me, American Express, Hagar, Rambo, Sugar Ray, Awesome, Pedro, True Grit, Mucho Dinero, and Cooper's Comet. At the same time, Wayne picked up for 25 years at stops such as the Calgary Stampede, Pendleton Roundup, Pinocchio Stampede, a once record of 11 times at the Canadian Finals Rodeo in Edmonton and twice at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. That's not all. The nationally syndicated Wayne Vold show aired for three years on CTV featuring musical, musical talent from around the world, all during Vold's illustrious stock contracting career. Today, Vold hangs his hat west of High River, Alberta, working with nephew and bullman Nansen Vold. Wayne Vold Rodeo provides stock for and produce a number of Canada's top rodeos from Grand Prairie, Wainwright to Morris, Manitoba, and the Pinocchio Stampede. Vold can also be found each December at the Wrangler NFR, proudly singing the national anthem on Canadian night. Welcome, Mr. Wayne Vold. Oh, thank you, Ted. You wrote that. I don't yeah. know where you found all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd better throw it in there since I had it. It's probably going to be the biggest intro of anybody <laughs> ever on the show, but... Had, no, had well, to get all that stuff it. in there. <laughs> ah, okay, so today we're talking the greatest Bronc riders in Canadian history. Uh, back on episode 50, we talked with Don Johansson and Chad Bestplug about the top 10 greatest bull riders ever from Canada. And since we all had a bit of time here right now, I figured we would uh, make a plan. We, we actually talked about doing this show back at the end of February, but we did, we weren't all quite in the same place. And Dustin, you were, uh, you were in Houston and that ended up, uh, you got getting cut short for probably the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, I think it is the first time ever since it started. It wasn't really my plan. I was supposed to be part of my, uh, rehabilitation holiday and yeah, my whole holiday and everything got cut short. And we decided that instead of spending a month in Houston, we were only going to spend a couple of weeks and come back home to, what is usually springtime when we get home, but turns out this year it's still winter. So on top of all the rest of the stuff that's going on in the world, I guess. Yeah. Quite the time we're dealing with right now. What, what, tell us about what Houston was like though, when, when that all happened there, that must've been pretty wild. Well, kind of surreal really. I mean, we were sitting there and things had been going great. I mean, we, it had come up a little bit in conversation that there'd been some pressure, you know, from some of the people in the city that, it, you know, didn't think that they should be having an event like that. And it was at a bit of a risk, but at the time there was nothing had really, there wasn't anything that had happened in the States really, as far as like cases and stuff, it was, you know, fairly small, just like the rest of the world outside of China, there really wasn't anything going on at the time. And so it didn't really seem like anything was going to happen. I mean, it's the biggest fair and um, economic drivers in almost all of in in the entire state of Texas, just about. So you kind of don't really expect it to happen. And we'd done seven or eight perfs, I guess. And I was sitting in the trailer watching our youngest son. And all of a sudden, Nikki called me the afternoon of the, you know, the ninth what's supposed to be the ninth performance and said they just canceled the rodeo and everybody was basically it happened at about about one o'clock or 12 o'clock in the afternoon they said it was done and they you had till 
they said you had till four o'clock to get your stuff out of the arena and everybody was it actually didn't end up being that big of a rush or anything like that it was not what i kind of expected once we got there but it was all sort of i can't believe it was really happening sort of like you don't really expect it and i mean there was no no warning sign until that day basically yeah the mayor and the health authority decided that they were just going to pull the pull the pull the card underneath of the committee yeah the the committee had no intentions of shutting the rodeo down at the time and they didn't really have a say all of a sudden they lost their you know their approval from you know however goes about i mean but uh yeah this was kind of weird and we loaded up and headed to our friend's place in weatherford at the diamond s bucking bull ranch and stayed there for a couple of days till it quit snowing at home and on the way in wyoming so we could get home and basically been home for months now i guess just hanging hanging out at the ranch starting to calve cows what day was it that that they canceled it like that? Like they didn't they gave you four hours to get out of there. That does that's not very long for anybody. Yeah, to, like um, it was. Yeah, like honest, honest to God, they called basically all the contestants or sent out an email or had somebody go around. It was about noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, and it was on. Um, let me see. I'll go back here. I can figure this out. The eleventh. The eleventh of March. They called and said, yeah, the contestants and stuff had, uh, I mean, we had horses and stuff there. We had a little bit more time because we're not maybe on the same thing. But, yeah, anybody in the building, he said, if you have your stuff in here, you got till 4 o'clock. And they were, we were loading up. I think we, we left um, the stadium at about 4.30 or whatnot. And they were, they were taking panels and stuff down. They had their crew. They were cleaned up all the... Everything was basically out of the stadium except for essential, essential employees and essential stuff. It was it was all gone already. Um, it was, yeah, it it was it happened fast. All of it, the cancellation and uh, everybody leaving. It was yeah, it was all all happened pretty quick. And that was the same day that the uh, that the NBA would would uh, suspend their season and the NHL went down the next day. So it yeah, all kind yeah, of happened, it all happened like fairly, fairly quickly. It was kind of like surreal. And then just, you know, that time it was listening to the radio and like, God, I can't believe they're canceling all these things at the time. But uh, yeah, I guess they have now. And here, here we are. So you're in Houston, you guys get back and uh, now it's snowy here. It's kind of been crappy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it has been since we, since we come home, I, I got home we, we when we decided we, we did come home, which would have been about four or five days after they canceled Houston. We stayed in Weatherford, like I said, at uh, the Diamond S Buck and Bull place. We're pretty good friends with uh, Scott and Kelly Pickens who run that um, place. And, uh, yeah, we just we ended up, we left and we drove straight through from Weatherford to home. And when I got home, we had about a foot of snow on the ground and I just drove the truck and the trailer straight into my yard, which isn't what I typically do, but I figured I had... Uh, nowhere to go and no place to be so i parked it in a snowdrift and it stayed there for about three weeks until i could move it because <laughs> it kept it kept snowing uh here and yeah we've seen seen lots of winter but i mean part of it for myself is i had shoulder surgery in the end of december uh so for me it's i guess i haven't had a whole bunch of stuff that i can do it's changed uh 
my my physio and the rehab side of it has kind of changed a little bit. There's a lot more communication that I do with my doctor over the phone, which makes some of it kind of complicated. I mean, not really knowing where I should be myself and him trying to explain it and stuff. So I haven't seen him once, but like my physiotherapy is, I mean, the gym's all closed down and everything like that. So, I mean, yes, it is, it is what it is. It's definitely changed, changed a lot of things, but as far as some of my work stuff, the fact that it's still winter has been easy on me because I really can't do a whole bunch yet. Um, is it, but. is it your intention to come back and, and compete again, Dustin? Well, yeah, I would, I mean, yeah, kind of was, I guess if there's no rodeo season, I don't know what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm all kind of up in the air. I was hoping that I would be ready to go by June 1st kind of thing. That would be, you know, around the six months sort of mark. And they kind of gave me um, six to nine months as far as rehab goes. Um, but like I said, it's been different you know, not being able to go to physio and see my physiotherapist and not being able to see my doctor and stuff. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know all the time if I'm where I should be or if I'm behind or if I'm ahead or, you know, whatnot. It's hard. It's hard for me to know where it's supposed to be at. And it's hard for them too to like, be like, this is kind of where it's at without, you know, kind of seeing firsthand what some of that stuff looks like. So I like everybody else, I guess I'm going to wait and see position for everything and i mean it's just this whole year is just really kind of crazy now i mean i'm not the only one i guess being injured the longer it goes for me on the you know things hold up and the better chance it is that i'm healthy i guess yeah, yeah. but um yeah I don't, it's just this the whole, the whole world seems like it's on its ear right now to me definitely it's uh i don't know how to explain it or describe it or nothing will look get to look back someday and and think it was pretty wild so <laughs> yeah yeah um i gotta ask wayne wayne how have you been spending your time in the, la- the last uh month i guess already now you uh this is this is a slower time of year for for most of us right now anyways but but uh tell us how what you've been what you've been doing wayne i just been home ted it's uh there's you know there's nothing happened and our first rodeo was with stavely first week of may and of course went down and then our next rodeo was grand prairie and and it went down and and then rocky mountain house would would have been our next one and it went down and i just talked to art maline today and wainwright and they're still holding on and panoka's holding on and i'm you know just hoping that we're going to get to go to one of them you know them first rodeos and and of course calgary stampede if, if we could go to you know, as a bull rodeo could go to Wainwright, Panoka, and Calgary, it would be, it'd be wonderful. But other than that, I haven't, you know, I've just been home and feeding, feeding the horses. And uh, I bought a few new horses this winter. Actually, a couple of them just got delivered here today from Andy Jones, who's been keeping them for me. And, uh, you know, I think they're nice horses. And we're, we're sort of all dressed up, Ted, and nowhere to go. Yeah. This, well, I guess the season, uh, you've got a few new horses. The season looks like uh, they they might not end up being being a whole lot we get to get to go with here at the at this rate right now. But but even even if we got to go, or you know where I figured out what it was. So 
even if these uh, rodeos still happen, and and I, we're all got our fingers crossed, hoping that they that they're still allowed to go, but it wouldn't be a, a possibility really with a place like like uh, like a Wainwright or Panoka to go without people in the stands. They they need the people there to make these events work, don't they? No, absolutely. They're not going to go unless they, you know, all the bans are lifted and the government controls that. They're just hanging on as long as they can. And I think one guy on the Pinocchio committee said this thing came in in a hurry and it could leave in a hurry. So, you know, that's their attitude. Some guy, you know, some rodeos have rescheduled and uh, no, but it's, it's the unknown. No, you know, nobody knows. I, I mean, my first rodeo would be Wainwright. I'd, I'd be real happy to start there, you know, Wainwright, Pinocchio and Calgary. And then we go to Morris as far as old rodeo goes and, and, uh, you know, back to Strathmore and just on and, and, you know, we could maybe salvage a half a year or something. And, but right now, I mean, we're just sitting here at home and I don't go anywhere. I, I you know, go to town maybe once a week or every 10 days or something, you know, just to get groceries and stuff. And that's scary enough on its own, I guess, from what if you watch enough television, they'll terrify you that you won't go anywhere. That, that's why I don't watch the news on a good day. Let alone now. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Now we're just home, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm just feeding my horses, and and I don't go anywhere. You know, at least I can, you know, go out in the field, walk around. I guess some people are stuck in a, you know, in a house and or you know, or an apartment and can't go anywhere. So, but we'll just ride it out. And I'm optimistic. You know, like you know, bull rodeos alive and well, ready to go. And Nance has been bucking bulls and you know, and, and trimming off some that don't buck and, and, you know, we're, re- we're ready. It's just, you know, where can we go? That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and what, uh, what else have you guys been keeping busy at, at home though? Like, what, is there anything new? You, you said you've been watching uh, a bunch of the Ozark stuff too, on the Netflix. <laughs> I watched all Ozark. I'm into the Vikings. Actually, the Vikings are my ancestors, and I didn't know they were that bad. <laughs> Norwegians. <laughs> but, yeah, we, you know, we do a lot of Netflix, and, uh, you know, it's just like, what do you do? You know, it's just decide what you're going to have for supper. It's just, it's, it's kind of like being in jail, only uh, there's no warden, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, want the, I had another question for you on postponements uh would pinoca move back uh dates if they can't go july 1st wainwright um any of those ones it sounds like calgary if they can't go on their date they're not going to go at all this year but it will will wainwright or pinoca push back don't know that yeah i can't answer that i mean they're you know like pinoca got so many volunteers and they take their you know i don't know 2500 volunteers or whatever it is and they take their holidays to go there and you know, if they were going to try and go on the long weekend of September or something, I suppose it would be a, you know, it, it would be a thought. I'm just, I'm not saying that they even mentioned it, but I mean, they'd have to, you know, all their volunteers, they'd have to get them. And it would be a nightmare if, you know, to switch. I Personally, I would like to see them all go a little later because, you know, if not, we're not going to have much for rodeos and that's not looking good. Yeah. I wanted to ask anyways. I wasn't sure. I hadn't heard a lot of updates from some of the different shows. So thanks for the insight there. Uh, let's, let's get started on this list though. So 
we did our bull riding list. We had that that story out and talked about the top uh, the top ten. Uh, ended up being Daryl Mills at the top of our list. He was uh, the world champion in 1994. Was uh, a two time Canadian champion. Made the NFR four different times. Was re- reserve champ. Won the finals. Uh, he ended up with about 250 points on our list. And based on my first, uh, uh, I guess you would say, uh, initial assessment of this, we've got our first place guy in the bronc riding has 650 points and just to make the list at this point is over 200 so it's a lot of it's a lot more i guess we could say first off the bronc riding uh there was one stat and dustin you were you were the uh the last person on this list but a canadian bronc rider made the nfr for the first was it the first 54 years is that correct yeah i think so something like that that wouldn't doesn't seem wrong to me and that was because you you were the last guy on that streak at in 2010. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And then you and were the was, first one back in 14. Only, I was the only one. I was the only bronc rider there the first two years that I went. I mean, the one year in 2010, uh, Rod was supposed to be there, but that was also the year that he, uh, he broke his he leg broke and his, broke his leg. And then yeah, then after I kind of had some injury trouble and missed it a couple of years. There was nobody there for a while until. You know Zeke and Clay and uh, Jake and those guys come along. So and Tyrell too, Layton, yeah, a couple of those guys. So, but but I would say the when we were doing that list for the bull riders, the, a couple of comments came in right off the bat where a few people said it'd be great to do the bronc riding because there's so much. Uh, um, I don't. I'm not sure what the word is right now, but there's a ton of of success in bronc ride like. There's a lot of great bronc riders that have come from Canada, and there's a lot of great bucking horses that have come from Canada as well. I'll let you speak to that first, Wayne. Yeah, well, what what I did, Ted, is I put the the bronc riding list that you have in in, in their era, sort of thing. And uh, if I may, you know, like Carl Olson, I don't know anything about him. Uh, his you know his stats were what what they are. I never seen him ride. I've seen all these all the other guys ride, and uh, in the era of Winston Bruce, Kenny McLean, and Marty Woods, that that was a tough era. And I rode at the tail end of that era, and it, it looked like everybody was riding for fourth when, when them guys were riding. And then the, the next era that I sort of put in a category was Mel Hyland, Mel Coleman, Dwayne Dane, sort of in that era. You know, tough era. And then then Rod Hay and Rod Warren were sort of in the next era, and then Zeke Thurston sort of in his own era. And I just want to say one thing that it's tough to put a category on these guys because of the, of the Buccaneer situation. And, and fortunately I got to watch all these generations of cowboys and horses because I started doing it when I was pretty young. And, and what I'm going to say is that every era, I think the horses were got better, you know, like back in Winston and Kenny and Marty's day, there was some good horses but like a guy like Harry Knight would maybe have seven, eight really good horses and Lynn Butler and all that. Well, and then you move into Mel Highland, Mel Coleman and Dwayne Danes and the horses were, were better. And the reason they were getting better is, is because everybody was raising them. And then you get into Rod Hay and Rod Warren era, the horses got better again. And, and up to, the, to Zeke Thurston's era, where I think the horses are the, the best they've ever been. Absolutely, because there's there's just more of them, you know. Instead of having, you know, eight or ten or twelve, you know, really good horses, 
you know, 40 years ago, there would be, you know, you know, 40, 50 really good horses. And then now there's, you know, there's a, they take 105 horses to the NFR and, and basically, you know, they're all pretty good. And, the, and they, they continue to improve. Well, yeah, the, the thing is that, that most people are, are breeding them, you know, and then there's a lot of horse breeders out there that are raising them and, you know, selling them at sales or to the, you know, privately to their stock contractors. And I, I just think it'll get, get better and better. I mean, I'm, I, you know, back, back when Marty and Winston and Kenny rode, like I said, there was a handful of good horses, but there's, you know, 25 times as good horses now. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. And if that's my opinion anyway. So, so in your, in your list, Wayne, you have, talked about and mentioned every single of the top 10 that I, that I've kind of assembled here so far based on stats and the and the list that I put together I I ranked the uh the guys over the over the years uh, and the point system that I have at this point is that a world title is worth 100 points an NFR title is worth 40 points NFR qualification is 20 points and a Canadian title is 10 points I kind of I kind of, uh, I just, I completely made it up to be totally honest, but, but I, uh, I ranked them all this way and it, and it kind of, I think, I think it worked for the most part in the bull riding list and it kind of is an, an objective way to rank, uh, the, the different contestants, but I, I, I'm going to start off here and, and just kind of cruise down the list. Uh, but, uh, but before I do that, Dustin, let's talk about your, uh, your thoughts on the list so far and where, where you would kind of put put the the 10 bronc riders on on this list at at this point uh well i mean i'm gonna have to agree with wayne on a little bit of it you know when it comes to horses and i feel like in their era those were the best guys and i i, I think you could probably move any of these guys into any one of the air any any era or as wayne put it and they would probably you know be be at the top of the game um in in whatever era they were in but uh yeah, I, I, and Wayne Wayne's got to see a few more of them ride than I have that are on this list. But uh, yeah, there's got to know quite a few of them. Got to ride against some of them, and every one of them is uh, pretty good. And you can make a case for any one of them that they could move up or down in this, you know, preliminary list that we have. That you know, we could you could e- easily move one down and two up, and they're uh, they're all pretty pretty amazing in their own right it, in in any period in time that you would put them in uh so so we have a couple a couple debates to start off with um in our on our bull riding list there was a few people that i missed because i i initially went out and i have it on my desk right now but i initially went through the 2015 prca media guide and i put a a blue mark beside every canadian in their final standing in the in the world standings, and it goes back all the way back to like the 1940s. So I have a I have kind of tabs on every Canadian address to have ever qualified for the NFR, and and it has their final standings in the season as well. So I went based on that and qualifications and whatnot. But where it gets a bit muddy is, do we count a guy like Glenn O'Neill, who was born in Australia but now calls Canada home? Uh, the 2002 world champion made the NFR 11 times, won the NFR average in 02, 2000 Canadian champion, and he was the 2001-2003 reserve world champ. Uh, Glenn O'Neill, do we count him on the list of greatest Canadian bronc riders ever or, or not? What, what are your thoughts, Wayne? 
Well, he he lives in Canada now. I mean, if you're just going on guys that are born here, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, he's a Canadian now, and he he definitely, you know, goes right right among the best. Absolutely, there's no doubt about Ben O'Neill. I, you know, I had the pleasure of him rodeoing around the old rodeo for his whole career pretty well, and and uh, I, I'd put him in there. I mean, you'd he, put him on the list of greatest Canadians. He, he's a transplant, but. But uh, you know what? What rules are we going by anyway? You know what? Does it, what does it really matter? Yeah, I guess so. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I've got more than more than ten names here, so I guess I've got. A, I'm trying to get it down to ten, and I'm not sure if I count someone that wasn't born in Canada. But then, if I'm doing that, then do we include Pete Knight, who was born in? Uh, I believe. Let me look at here really quick. But he was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and passed away in uh, in. Hayward, California, and it looks like, based on this, he was only 20, uh, 34 years old, so didn't have a very long career in the in the rodeo business. But, well, but do we count a guy? I, I don't know anything about Pete Knight other than I've seen a few pictures, and Carl and Carl Olson. I don't know anything about him, so I, I really don't have a comment on them to compare them to these guys. I guess in their era, sixty or seventy years ago, or whatever it was. I've only seen Pete Knight on, you know, some horses kind of raring and, you know, no flank strap and stuff. It's pretty hard for me to make a judgment on, on a guy like Pete Knight or Carl Wolf. What are, what are your thoughts on, on this as far as our, our list goes, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, I'm on those guys. I mean, it's so long ago, I don't think anybody. It's hard to, hard to rank somebody when you've only read a story or, you know, you see a postcard picture here or there. I mean, you can make the case. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're not great bronc riders and that they weren't in their time. I mean, they, they have the they have the buckles and the, the cup, the stuff that they, that they won to go with it. Can I make a strong argument that, you know, Pete Knight, rode better than anybody else i i'd never got to see the guy I didn't even get to see a video the horses were definitely different uh so i guess if that's on those guys i just have to go on what your point system would go and that would be the only argument that i could make on them um glenn i would say i mean to me he's almost probably lived in canada now as long as he's lived in australia i traveled with him forever Married to a Canadian, lives up here. Uh, I'd like to claim him. I mean, whenever, whenever he went to the NFR when I was a kid, or you know, still before I got to travel with him when I was in my late teens and stuff like that, I I, I considered him at the time, you know, as much as anything else that he he was flying two flags when he went there. In my, in my eyes, lots of times, you know, he was representing both Australia and Canada. So I don't I don't know. Put a, put an asterisk next to his name and yeah. Yeah, we might have move to him, move them, move them up the list. In my eyes, it's my opinion, and the general public can argue about whether we're right or wrong. Now. Okay, well, that's part of what we're doing here. We want to create some conversation and uh, and 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 debate it a little bit. So, so uh, Wayne has mentioned Carl Olson a couple of times. So Carl Olson is the 1947 world champion, uh, four or looks like three-time Canadian champion, 1945, 46, and 48. And in 1948, he was the reserve world champion. So based on our point system, and at that time in the 40s, there was no NFR. So technically, he could have another 80 points in at least four NFR qualifications if we were doing that. But that's a whole other conversation that would go down 
in the same uh, 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 facet with Pete Knight in the in the 30s with no with no NFR as well. So, based on this, um, he would have technically another four NFRs just based on what we know on on four world titles. So that would put him number 10 with 210 points, and that's not including Glenn O'Neill being on the list with 370 but we don't know if he's Canadian or not. We haven't defined that yet. So number 10, we've got Carl Olsen. Then based on this list that I have, I've got number nine, Winston Bruce. He's the 1961 world champion, uh, two-time Canadian champion in 1957 and 58, and made the NFR 10 times. That puts him in at 320 points. Um, But do we rank Winston ahead of Rod Warren when... Rod wasn't a world champion, but won the NFR average four times. What are your What are your thoughts? Well, t- totally different bronc riders. Uh, Rod, the thing about Rod Warren, he spurred everything out, and you couldn't buck him off, in my opinion. And he he was always there for the long haul, and you know that he did in Vegas. He he proved that. You know, like you know, he he was an average. He won the average several times, that, and and because he spurred them all out and he was very hard to buck off. So that's, you know, and, and had his style of bronc riding. Now, Winston Bruce was a different style totally. And I think Winston Bruce is one of the smartest bronc riders that I ever watched. He, I'd seen him on a, on Big John and Harry Knight, who was a rage of, you know, 50 years ago or whatever in San Francisco. And it just comes to memory when you win, mentioned Winston and, and and Big John, he he kind of jumped and kicked out of there, and and about four seconds he 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 ran into the wall, and then and what do you do? So Winston, he just spurred him out again for another two jumps. The smartest conquer I I ever seen, and and I was with Leo Brown and Les Johnson, and they said, and both they said, well that's the smartest conquer we've ever seen. You know, like there's two different styles of guys, and so it's 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 pretty tough, you know, to, to you know to pick something in there. And the only the only difference I have here is, you know, if you if you're going between those two, you've got uh, they're both two-time Canadian champions. Winston has one more NFR qualification. Uh, Winston's a world champion, but Rod won the NFR average four different times, which is quite an impressive feat, and three times in a row between 2003, four, and five. Pretty yeah. impressive. Impressive. The thing is, the, the thing is that, you know, when, when when kids are learning how to ride Bronx, there's two or three things you can tell them. It's like playing golf. You can't remember everything. One of the main things is lift on your rein, okay? And I'm going to say that Winston Bruce's dad, Lawrence Bruce, almost invented that lifting on the rein. Winston rode with a full hand, which means, the you know, the buck rein wasn't in, in between his little finger. And he rode with a full hand. When you have a full hand, you cannot pull on a horse's head, I promise you. And Winston lifted on his rein, and any of the pictures you see of him, he almost invented that lifting on the rein thing. And and he, I mean, he he's way up on the on my list about you know of all these guys. I mean, there's there's several different styles, but Winston was, was I guess for lack of a better word was a machine. Okay. Yeah, Winston. I'd put Winston fairly high up on my own list as well. Smart guy, in in and out of the rodeo, intri- like he he knows yeah he knew so much about bronc riding and rodeo and 
just like looking at the handful of videos and you know talking to Winston over the years we got to be really good friends we he'd call me out of the blue every once in a while and we just talked nothing but rodeo but I mean he he knew the game knew everything that it took uh and and the way that he did it and it could break it down into such a science and like he's 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 super high on my on my list and I I mean if if I have to put a value on something, I'll value a world title over an average title myself if we're going to get, get picky about things. But, yeah, I mean, phenomenal guy. Could turn there, There's not one picture, like Wayne said, that, that you will ever look at where his reign is not in the perfectly right spot, where it's out in front of him, hand rolled over, slacks all out of it. That's the hardest thing in bronc riding to learn and to teach. I mean, it's, you, you know, it, that... I always say if it's the first thing you need to learn and the last thing that you probably do, and he had that part worked out like like down to a science, like Wayne said. Dustin, I remember when you and the knock was bronc riding at Edmonton and, and and talking to you about lifting on your rein. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it, it's the first rule, you know. It's yeah. the first rule, lift, lift on your rein. Yep. And t- tell me more about that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. Dustin, like you... If I remember you, right, you you always put your rein through your through your pinky. Is that like is that is that a, yeah, more of a benefit I mean, now or not or how does uh, that? It it really all comes down to like a personal preference thing as far as whether it's you know a full fist or you know, go through your finger. Um, for myself, I've done it both ways. Uh, I prefer to go through my finger. It was as much as anything else. Um, it just felt it just feels more comfortable to myself to hold my rein in my hand that way um i i didn't really i mean i have pictures of myself riding both ways and if you look at it it doesn't i don't unless you really look close you wouldn't even know the difference so i don't i don't i didn't i don't handle it any different myself but uh my big thing is i go a little shorter on it on the rain side of things than a lot of guys do Anyway, I kind of would rather be pulled on a little bit, and sometimes I guess that can be an asset for me, and it can be a detriment. But uh, yeah, it's it's a big big part of bronc riding. But as far as the hand goes, I just chalk it up to its personal preference to what feels better. I mean, Wayne might have different insight as to on that, but yeah, myself, it was just a comfort comfort thing, and I like it. I like it to the finger. Well, one thing that Wayne that you mentioned was that you couldn't pull on a horse's head when you had uh, when you had a full fist of rain. Would you speak more to that? I'm not saying you can't pull on one, but I don't think you can pull on one as much. And I think Dustin would probably agree with me there. I mean, I I don't like guys pulling on a horse's head. I like I want them all to lift on the rein because some horses can't take it very good. And so when that lifting on the rein was invented and and i don't know who invented it more than winston's dad i mean this this goes back a long ways you know just stories i've heard and 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 i don't think you can pull on a horse as much with a full hand as you can with you know through the finger personally i had that full hand myself and i didn't it was a little awkward for me so i always went you know through the finger but but I think you can get a hold of one pet, and you know, and and, and I think I, th- I think with a full hand, you can lift on it better, and, and you you can't pull on them as much. And I think freedom is a good thing for 
most bucking horses, freedom of the head. When so we're going back to this list, and I actually uh, I actually didn't have it in the right order because after Winston in number nine, based on the points, Zeke Thurston would be eighth. He's the 2016 and 2019 world champion, uh, 2019 Canadian champion, five-time NFR qualifier, won the average of the NFR in 2016. And he's already got 1.2 million in career earnings, so he'd be at 350 points, 10 behind Rod, Rod Warren, based on uh, based on these points. Um, again, Zeke's a two-time world champ, and based on these points, which I'm wondering if the if the system needs to be tweaked a little bit, uh, a two-time world champion is behind a, a guy that won the average four times. But then again, Zeke is only uh, five years into his professional career, maybe six years. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on on that, Dustin? I think, uh, truthfully, if you, my opinion, I think Zeke Thurston's just getting started. I think he's only just showing us glimpses of what's uh, still still to come. I mean, as far as bronc riders go, in my own opinion, lots of them, you know, Zeke's just coming into the part where they you really kind of mature and figure out what's really going on, and that he's already where he's at. At this age, I feel like the the things that he's gonna show us and do are just uh, he he hasn't he hasn't even got there yet, in my opinion. So he's got a, he's got more time. So that that's part of the skewing, the why this list might be skewed is because he's hasn't had a full career yet. Well, yeah, I mean every everybody on the list right now, currently, other than Zeke, is is hung it up. I mean, if we have this same conversation five years from now. We could, you could probably bump. He, there's a good chance that he could be bumped up all the way to the number one guy and still be rodeo. I, 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 I think we're just there's there's a lot more to come from that guy in my. So we've got. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that on that question though on the that question Wayne where where Zeke's a two time world champion and, he, and he's behind Rod Warren and on this list is that is that an issue when we're ranking the greatest or or uh, is that is that okay when when Rod's had a full career and and been to the NFR nine times, you know, four times he won the average. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. You're asking me, Ted. Yeah. Well, I agree with Dustin. I mean, I think Zeke has got, you know, he, he goes, he's right up at the top of my list. Um, one of them, you know, like we're supposed to be picking, picking this. It's a little tough because Zeke hasn't, he's only been around since what, 215 or 216. You know, I watched him win the world in Vegas. He hasn't even reached his potential of what he's going to win yet. So if we project, if you know, barring injury or whatever, if we project, if I was to project what he would be, he'd probably, you know, go right, have to go right to the top of my list. I mean, he's 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 the ultimate. And the the only thing I will go back to is that Deke has got more good horses to ride at, probably than the Marty Winston and Kenny era. And uh, probably even the Rod Hayes and and that era. So, because uh, I, I I think the horses are getting that much better, you know, as we go. And 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 I think, you know, like he's got a better chance of drawing a good horse, you know, as he goes down down the road. But projection wise, I would, you know, you, you can't stop this guy. He's he's you know he's he's I seen him ride on the video. On, I just seen a video of that Pollockville. Uh, on you know on special delivery and that's about as good as it gets in the Bronco ride and I wasn't there but I mean this that was the real deal and and he's just full of that stuff you know 
still, he's pretty hard for me not to project for him and put him way up there. I, I think we've all seen uh, uh, Glenn's 95 on Airwolf and Innisfail, and uh, I don't I don't know if I've seen uh, Doug's 95 uh, on, is, was it Transport in Meadow Lake, the other 95-point ride? Yeah. Um, what did you did you guys either of you see the see uh, Doug's ninety five point ride? I I have. I bet Wayne's probably seen it a million times. I guess. He... I've seen it once. <laughs> how how do that, you guys? That tries to show it to me every day, but I don't watch it. <laughs> how how do you uh, how do you two rank that uh, uh, those two ninety fives against I mean, Zeke? I watch Glenn O'Neill and uh, on Airwolf uh, and Innisfail. Totally different kind of horses. Transport was the kind of a bronc rider's dream. You know, he had no power. He had a lot of jump and kick. He was just real good to ride. Yeah, Doug handled his rein that day, and, and I thought and placed his feet. You know, I mean, I'm not going to debate whether that's a 95 or in, or an O'Neill a 95 or what. I mean, but they were. Okay, so they marked them 95. And totally different rides, totally different horses. And, uh, you know, but like you said, they're in the books. It, that's part of the going over the eras. W- Wacy and I talked last uh, last show about some of the greatest rides in the PBR history and how, how the scoring has maybe changed from the early 2000s and back to back to even further with these Bronc rides. But it it's fun to, fun to discuss anyways. But so... I've reworked this list a bit more and I've uh I'm consider I'm putting an, an asterisk by Glenn O'Neill and Pete Knight since we can't confirm if they are truly Canadian uh for the sake of this list. So that brings me down one more spot to number 10. I have uh, I actually have Dwayne Danes with seven NFR qualifications and the uh 1991 Canadian champion brings him in at 190 points. So that put him in number 10. And then twenty points ahead of him would be uh, would be Carl Olson. What are your guys' thoughts on on that? Am I missing anyone else that would be close, or is Dwayne that number that number ten? Go ahead, Dustin. Oh, I was gonna say, I guess if if we're gonna put an asterisk by those other guys, I guess I mean if we're if we're gonna use the point system, Dwayne 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 would would have to go in there. I mean, he was he was pretty. Damn sure deserving enough. I mean, he made the NFR as many times as he did, and I mean, just to make the NFR once is uh, a pretty good notch in anybody's belt. There's a there's a lot goes into it. It's it's not the hardest rodeo in the world to qualify for uh, because it's easy. There's no doubt about that. So I guess I, I guess I won't argue with you, Ted. You've been there three times your, yourself, Dustin. Talk about just the journey to get there. It's not a it's not an easy task. No, there's nothing about it that's you know very easy. It's usually ends up uh, so there's there's parts of parts of the summer and the year that can turn into be a real grind, and then there's other parts of it where it's you know always where you're just living like there's never going to be another bad day. Uh, and and the guys that you know generally make it in that top fifteen are the guys that handle those highs and those lows the best and can can you know ride it out and stay consistent through the entire year and capitalize on their big moments when you get them because you don't necessarily there's there's always good horses but you don't always get the best horse at the biggest rodeo all the time and when you get those ones those are the moments where you can't let them get away i mean 
you when you're you know on the short round in Cheyenne and you got medicine woman or something like that or you're at Kanoka and you got Pedro you gotta that that's that's your moment to put your exclamation on something and and take it because it's hard to make it up at some of them other little rodeos and you know sometimes it doesn't always work out and then that's where you end up having to grind it out at some of the smaller rodeos or whatnot that you know um through the course of the year and you're gonna have the highs and the lows and stuff like that but yeah it's it's every day is a new day and a and a new rodeo and it's you know taking taking those lows and forgetting about them and continuing to ride on those high spots when you got them or the guys that that get there I'll just do a short add-on to what he's saying. It's just like what I think makes winners, and and as I've watched them through, through all through the years, is they if they get the good horses and they take advantage of the situation, then that makes winners. And if you screw up, and you know I've seen guys fall off in the hundred thousand for Calgary, and, and you know I've seen guys ride for the hundred thousand, you know in Calgary. But if you take advantage of them good situations, then I think that makes you, you know, that, that makes you a winner in my book. That's why it's on my list here, why I, I, I'd like some of these guys, you know, go to the, you know, towards the top of my list because they took advantage of a good situation and, and they didn't screw it up. Yeah, you, you want to, you want those big high pressure moments all the time. The guys that are on this list and the guys that, that succeed in anything want that they want that moment that's the moment they're looking for all the time and they capitalize when they get it you don't let you want you want to put yourself in the big moment all the time and every time that you get the big moment you don't let it slip away and those guys that can do that and don't cave under the pressure once they get there are the guys that'll beat you nine out of ten times Did, didn't it's it like, uh sorry go ahead wayne it's like making a, a four foot a four foot putt in golf for for 500 bucks with your buddies i mean you know like pressure is an amazing thing and some guys cave under it and some guys thrive on it and i just reiterate i can't you know say enough for those that win they don't cave under pressure because pressure gets a lot of people i mean it's just you know some guys get wobbly on it and some guys thrive on it and i think you know the these guys on this list, when we start winding it down, are the ones that thrived on pressure, and and the people that caved, well, they, they obviously were one fourth or fifth. D- Dustin, going back to qualifying for the finals, was it down to Hannah for you one year? Is that right? Am I remembering right, or was that uh, somebody else, like a tandem yeah. island in the last few no, years? No, no, it it had the one the one year. Uh, it come right down to the very last rodeo. I was entered at everything the last weekend yeah it was kind of it was nip and tuck but troy troy krauser was who i was kind of battling it out with and i mean i think the last i i I shouldn't say that i needed to place at every rodeo i mean if i it i had omaha made in both the champions challenge and the tour finale that year and it just i didn't draw very good and i didn't do it and then it come down to you know, Kansas City, uh, Brooks, Hannah, a whole bunch of other little rodeos, and Troy and I were the same thing, and it it ended up being that, like, I come down, and I mean, I can't say that I've, there was more pressure 
any time to qualify for the NFR than that year uh, for me. And it was, you know, every every rodeo of my last 10 was was a battle. I mean, I would place and, well, shoot, Troy would place too. And then, you know, I'd go to the next one and I'd place and Troy would place too. The thing that come down to it was I just placed a little further ahead of Troy a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. It was like the very last rodeo on the entire schedule that year was Hannah. It was the only rodeo and it was the very last rodeo that could have done it for me. And it was the smallest rodeo of the whole year, I think, you know, prize money purse wise. And yeah, I'm one second and uh yeah, made it by yeah, hundred and fifty or hundred and seventy dollars or something like that. How how much of the hundred thousand you won in Calgary that summer went towards qualifying for the finals that year? Well, I mean I wouldn't say there was a whole bunch because there was some. I had some other wins along the way that looked after it. But uh, yeah, I guess the moment where it got away, where I could have clinched it that year and I could have done it early, was uh, in Kennewick at the Champions Challenge. I uh, I walked up and I wanted spring planning and I plucked spring planning out of the hat and I wrote. It was about the I think the fifth time that I had spring planning. Uh, and it always worked out pretty good for me. And I probably made the best ride on spring planting that I'd ever made, but I missed it out. And, oh, uh, wow. I mean, that was, that was about a six or $6,500 win. And I probably, I would have had the finals made then. And I mean, I could, there was nobody else but myself to blame. And because that happened, I ended up having to go to a lot more rodeos than I planned to <laughs> go to. And I mean, some of it was, I hadn't really rodeoed uh, super hard up until that point. So I guess I left myself with lots of, lots of room to go and try to catch up. The problem is, is that once you get, it gets kind of tricky or it's not tricky. It's just the, the size of the rodeos kind of after you get to Pendleton aren't the same. So your opportunity to make big money kind of starts to, you know, dry up a little bit so you end up going to more rodeos and some smaller ones and you know i i sure needed them i'm glad i had the extra rodeos uh left on my my rodeo count and i still had lots of rodeos left that year but yeah the one that if i could ever have back would be yeah the one time i missed spring planting out to have the nfr made by the first part of august instead of the last rodeo of the year that would probably be the moment do we uh, do we want to get into the debate about the markout rule right now briefly, or should we leave that for another time? <laughs> I think that's another two-hour chapter. Okay, okay, moving on. So we've got number five. We've got uh, so I've got to recap so far. First half, uh, I'm I'm putting Dwayne Danes ten, Carl Olson number nine, Winston Bruce eight, Zeke Thurston seven, Rod Warren six, uh, five and a half is uh, is Glenn O'Neill. Based on uh, on the uh, the uh, citizenship, and now we're going to, into our second half, number five. Outright, I have Mel Coleman, sixteen consecutive NFRs from nineteen seventy four to eighty nine, and uh, seven Canadian titles. So, are we going to start picking these guys? Is this what it is, or what? Yeah, I'm just running down the list of the point totals. Um, but uh, what do you think? Do we do we like uh, Mel Coleman in number? Number five, or, or or where are we at? Well, if we have to go by, I mean, I'm not really going by the stats, Ted. I, yeah, that's I okay. Mean, 
and I'm just going, you know, I have a list of what I think, you know, who the, you know, number, number 10 to one are. And, uh, if you go by stats, it, 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 I mean, and you're a statistician and I'm not, but you know, like the thing is that, yeah, some guys turn them all out and never got ducked off. And, uh, maybe somebody else, you know, road class here and all this stuff. So if you get the stats in it. And if, and if that's the way, you know, way you're going to pick them, I guess, you know, we do that. But I, I have my, my own opinion on who, who I think rode the best and, you know, and, and was he good on horses and, and, uh, you know, all around good people. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not much of a stat guy. That's all right. So, but where would you, uh, where, so where would you rank Mel Coleman though with, like, I don't think anybody else, I'd have to look uh, at the list here a little bit closer, but I think. Mel Coleman with, and Miles Allen and Dwayne Danes were in this pretty well the same era. And, and if you put them three guys today, they, they would win. And if, you know, they, they, they'd win, they'd win right alongside of Zeke Thurston. So like I did when I put them in their eras, you know, I got Winston, Kenny, Marty, and then I got, Mel Highland, Mel Coleman, Dwayne Danes in their era, and then I got Roddy Hay and Rod Warren, and then Zeke is sort of in his own era. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, a preference. If, if we're going to, you know, if you go by the stats, I and, and, you know, whether I agree or not probably doesn't matter, but I I have my opinion, and, and the stats aren't, aren't, aren't not really getting it for me. Well, let's talk. Let's just talk another way then about Mel Coleman. I, I don't. I don't know him that well. Uh, I know his story, but he's got the most consecutive qualifications to the NFR, and it, it's almost. It's one of the top uh, stats in the whole PRCA to make the finals sixteen times in a row. Uh, that just speaking. Would you just tell us about about him a little bit? I, I don't. I don't know his story very much. Yeah, I knew Mel real well, and he he rode he rode real good. There's no doubt about it, and he's. He, uh, you know, like he was in the era of Mel Highland and, you know, and Dwayne Danes and you know, solid competitor, you know, like hard to throw off, you know, you know, I thought he handled his rain and said he speed good. Uh, you know, he, he obviously deserves to be in here. And if, if you put him back in, in the era of Winston, Kenny and Marty, he'd have won money. You know, and if he'd have moved him up to Rod Hay and Rod Warren, he, he, you know, like he was probably in the tail end of the, you know, the Roddy Hay, Roddy Warren thing. So, I mean, you're talking about a real good broker. And, and it's, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to differentiate when you, when I, when I put it into these eras. Number one is the horses, you know, they got better. And, and uh, so, I know, I, you know, I, I've watched all, all these guys, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Danes in Calgary, when, when he won Calgary that time and the, you know, the token picture that Jack Danes uses on his poster. And I forget that old mayor's name. I mean, that was, that was as good a Broncrad as, as, as you'll ever see, you know, spectacular. What, what made Mel Coleman different than, than other guys? What, what made him special? And, and especially in Canada, to win seven seven titles too that that's saying something as well yeah the determination i think i mean he'd go he'd go hard you know and he was he went everywhere and he was you know he he wrote them all sort of similar you know all all the same i mean it was i thought he like i say i dwell on the lift on you know handle your reins set your feet 
He did that good. He had a, he had a different, totally different style than, say, somebody like Winston Bruce. Winston Bruce got way back in his saddle and and lifted on the rein, but he but way back in the saddle. Okay, so you get a guy like Mel Coleman, he really leading ahead a little more. Uh, uh, Dane's a little more, you know, leaning ahead sort of thing. Roddy, Roddy Warren kind of leaned more ahead in any of the pictures you see. Some of them guys were way back in their saddles, and then some of them kind of rode on the top of the cattle of their saddle, like, say, you know, like a, you know, Roddy Hay. I mean, he rode more on the top of his cattle than he did down in the seat. But it all, but it worked for him. So, you know, different styles, totally, you know, you know, totally different styles here. Like, like Winston Bruce was down deep in his saddle. And, 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 you know, Coleman was kind of deep in his saddle. Roddy Hay was on the cattle, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, they're different styles. I mean, we, we got a whole bunch of different style bronc riders on that list. And yeah, it, it's, uh, I, and I, I don't, I probably haven't seen, I think I saw a video of uh, Marty Wood that the Wrangler Network put together for the 60th edition of the NFR. So I've seen a bit of him, but I, I haven't seen a lot of these other guys. I haven't seen any film or much for photos. I, I don't know. I don't know the whole story, but um, well, Marty Wood was my hero, and I, I was when I rode Bronx, I was the tail end of the, all, you know, that era with you know Marty Kenny and Winston, and like I said at the start of the show, like you're. Everybody was riding for fourth when them guys rode because they were, you know, they were the best. But I will say Marty Woods had a style when he, he kind of whipped his arm and forwards and backwards, and it was so very unique. And I guess the one thing I'd say about Marty that, that you know, made me in awe was that when he could make an average horse looked two points better than he really was. I mean, he had an act of, you know, making, for lack of a better word, a dink look really good, you know? And and, it, and that was his forte. I mean, he, he could make them 18-and-a-half-point hoppers look like they're 20, and the judges would believe it. And, and the thing about Marty, they, he, you know, they loved him in Calgary. He won Calgary more, I don't know, lots of times. And Enoch Walker, who was a great bronc rider, in the back in that era, and he made the statement. He said, "Marty Woods could win Calgary on a bale of hay." You know, it didn't matter. <laughs> so he was. You no, know, there's another guy. Totally different style. You know, lift on your rein, set your feet, whip your arm. I mean, you know, I could go on and on all day about him. He's a good. One. So uh, based on, I'm I'm going by points just to just to make uh, make this list because I got to make a list at some point. But but. Next on my list, I've got Pete Knight, and he was born in the United States, but uh, but has a lot of ties to Canada here. Grew up in uh, in the Crossfield area at one point, but four-time world champion, uh, 1932, 33, 35, and 36. And another uh, source says he won four Canadian titles, but at the time there there was no official Canadian title that I have anywhere recorded. So um, I've got him at four world titles. That's a, tough, that's a tough one for me. Like, I, I don't think they used dirt flanks in 1932. And oh, wow. The I don't think they used flanks in 1932. Every picture I've ever seen of Pete Knight, you know, the horses are kind of raring. I mean, it's a total different style altogether. I, I, I really, I'd really be, you know, lying if I said I knew, you know, how he could ride. Honestly, you know. What, you were talking about something there too, Dustin. We cut you off. 
I was going to say, yeah, they, there there definitely wasn't any any flanks at that at that that point in time. Yeah, your back your back cinch. <laughs> so so with a guy like that in the thirties, we we kind of have to put an asterisk there too, with the way things were. That's kind of probably best to put him on that uh, kind of on a side note. The same as we have Glenn O'Neill with not being possibly, you know, yeah, not I technically mean, being Canadian. Yeah, it's hard point. to it, it's hard to place him on there. And I mean, we're basing everything on what written stuff is. But I mean, at the same time, I would think you know a guy with those amount of accolades that he had at that time to say that he probably wouldn't have the same thing if you moved him up. I mean, he 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 probably would. But I mean, it's long 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 before I was even <laughs> before your parents and grandparents <laughs> yeah, were around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wacy, Wacy, we haven't heard from you in a long time. How how are you doing? What are you What are you thinking? Um, well, like I mentioned before, this is kind of an area out of my expertise, and I mean, I watched guys like like the Rod Hayes and Glenn O'Neill growing up, and even guys like Dustin, and it's kind of been cool like to see Zeke on this list, where like I've known Zeke for a long time now, and we kind of grew up together. And you guys made a good point about how like looking at his career in five years because he's still in the midst of his career is kind of similar to the points we had with like Tanner Byrne and Dakota Butter because they were kind of they're still in the middle of their careers or Tanner was anyways so just kind of interesting to see it'll be interesting to see how this ends up when guys like that kind of get further along next next on the list based on the points I've got Kenny McLean 1962 world champion uh three times average champion at the finals between 64 68 71 five-time Canadian champion and a nine-time NFR, NFR qualifier. And just to throw a wild card in there, uh, we've got uh, a tie-down roping qualification to the NFR and I believe uh, 1971 as well. Wayne, uh, would you speak to Kenny McLean first? I traveled with Kenny McLean and Malcolm Jones, and uh, I he'd probably go way high on my list. I, I don't think that anybody's spurred horses out any better than Kenny McLean. I don't think hardly anybody handled the rain any better than Kenny McLean. Christensen Brothers Rodeo used to have a horse called Warpaint. He was the terror in that era where he would really jump and kick out of that chute. He weighed like 1,600. And if you spurred him out, he'd buck you off. And if you, and if you didn't spur him out, he'd still buck you off. So in Pendleton, that's what sticks out in my mind about Kenny he spurred Warpaint out for two jumps and made probably a 22-and-a-half or 23-point ride on him. It sticks in my mind, and that's, I don't know, that's a long time ago, 40 years ago probably. And I don't think that, that anybody spurred horses actually as hard as Kenny McLean did. I don't think that anybody rode ranker horses than Kenny McLean. Uh Kenny McLean said one time that Larry Kane was the hardest guy in the world to throw off, and uh, I, I debate that. I think Kenny was. I mean, he he's so high on my list that it, you know, I I mean, he's all time. Whatever I've seen him, the only time I ever seen him get bucked off was in Denver when they used to bring the bucking horse of the year and world champion bronc rider. They used to do that on one of the performances in Denver. And, they, and it was, you know, quite an attraction at that time. And Big John was bucking good. And he was a hairy night horse. He weighed like 1,600 pounds, come from Jerry Knight, uh, Jerry Myers in Saskatchewan. And 
Kenny spurred him out for it seemed like three jumps, and he and he threw him off over his head. And that's the only time I can ever remember seeing Kenny McLean on the ground. And I watched him lot, and I, and I traveled with him, and he's way up on my list. Well, I'm looking at the uh, the information, the write up on Kenny from the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, and it says in 77 outs at the NFR, he was bucked off only five. T- well, that would totally be true. You could, I, I just, like I said, the only time I ever really remember him, I've probably seen that. I'd have probably been there at the NFR when they did buck him off. But it, it, he always said, he said, I never could land very good. And I said, no, because you never got bucked off. You know, you always <laughs> landed on his head or something. I don't think a bronc rider that lands good is, is doing that good anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, no, he's, he was, uh, you know, first time I ever seen him, I think, was in uh, – my dad and Casper took a rodeo to Vancouver and, and on a train, they went out there and it was, and it rained about, I think 15 of the 20 performances and no, not much people, but that's when I first met Kenny McLean. And that's a long time ago. I was very young. And he, uh, I said, who is this guy? Like, where, where did he come from? And, and he traveled with Ellie Lewis at that time. And they come out of Okanagan Falls, BC and, he uh, he he rates way up on my list. One of the one of the things with this pro rodeo with the uh, Hall of Fame um, write up is it it says that he was considered by many to be the greatest Canadian rodeo cowboy of all time. And I think if we're talking all around and both ends of the arena, he would probably be at the top of that list, which we can probably talk about in a, in a, yet another show. He broke calves as good as anybody in that era, and. I think if it, you know, he was in this era, he'd win money. He he roped unbelievably. He, he was a bronc rider and a cap roper, and I mean that he's a real cowboy, that guy. And and uh, he was a good guy. He was a little reluctant to travel. Is the only thing about him. He didn't like to go too much. But he, when I when I told you, you know, like a half an hour ago, when somebody that would take advantage of a situation when they got a real good animal, that would be him. He had ice waters in his veins, that guy. He was cold-blooded when it come to winning. And, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, way up on the list. Next, I've got, uh, based on the, number, uh, on the numbers again, Mel Highland, a two th- uh, two-time world champion, 1972 and 76, five-time Canadian champion, uh, spanning across three different decades from 1967 to 82, and uh, 11 times to the NFR, he's 20 points ahead of, of Kenny. And would you would you uh, agree with that, Wayne, or would you would you still have Kenny higher? Or where would you how would you differentiate those two? I'm a little torn there. <clears throat> like I wasn't in Cheyenne when he rode Morrow River. That's one of the horse that Harry Knight had. I've seen the video of it, and arguably maybe the best bronc ride I ever seen at. I'm I'm a little torn on this one because he this guy goes right up on my list too. He's he's he spurred them all out. The first time I ever seen him was in Pinocchio and he had a thing called Tar Baby and he was in the novice bronc ride and he had a little saddle about a thirteen and a half inch saddle that he'd been practicing and I seen this and I was there and he's he's Keith Highland's nephew, right? And and uh <clears throat> here he comes on this old hopper, you know, a nice nice nineteen pointer. And this kid I mean, it's right in the neck and lifting on his rein. And I thought, like, where, where did this guy come from? And, I mean, he, he was already 
you know, ready to win when he was like 17 years old. And my, I'm very high on him. He's, I'm really torn on this on this deal. He he goes way up on my list too. What are, what are your thoughts, Dustin? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't get to see Kenny ride, but or you know, in person or whatnot. But uh, he pretty. Uh, he was looked like a pretty amazing bronc rider, pretty amazing person, pretty amazing cowboy. If, you know, when it comes right down to it, like just a handy guy. You know, be able to just do anything, and you know, to be to be as competitive as he was in multiple events. I think, like, if we're looking at, you know, super cowboy, you know, all around, Kenny McLean is pretty pretty amazing. His bronc riding, uh, like Wayne said, is you look at all of his pictures, and like, if if I wanted to emulate somebody, he would be one that I would. I would like to. I would like to flip through his picture book and then try to look like him in all my own pictures, <laughs> if I could. Uh, as far as Mel goes, Mel had a pretty big influence in my rodeo career and stuff. Uh, getting started, uh, spent a lot of time. Mel would come to the practice pen all the time when I was just starting out and um, help out. And then even. You know, from that point, once I moved on from our high school and went to college in Riverton, Wyoming, for Rick Smith, then Mel Mel was down there all the time. Uh, he was going down and training horses with Bill Smith, and so I mean, he's he's always had a, a, a pretty big influence in 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 my riding and helping me get to where I'm at. So I mean, yeah, both of those guys are super high on my list. I mean, I don't know if I would be where, but you know, Mel, Mel's got to take, I got to give Mel some of the credit to, for being where I got to. Um, and yeah, as far as like rank bronc rats go, his ride in Cheyenne is easily in probably the top three best bronc rides of any bronc rider from any gender. Like anybody will, if you want to, you know, that's that, that, that ride is on everybody's list. I don't care if you're a good bronc rider, you've seen that. You've, you've watched the Mills ride at Cheyenne multiple times, and yeah, everybody has something to say about that one, and they're all good. So yeah, as far as like impressive, I yeah, I, they're both both pretty high on my list, and I guess Mel would maybe be a little higher on mine simply because of the personal connection that I have to you know knowing knowing Mel and the way that he helped me get started, and not having that same deal with with kenny but can't take anything away from any of his accomplishments and what he's done that's for sure and his picture on war paint like wayne was talking about is probably one of the most used bronc riding pictures still today as far as like marketing and stuff goes like that like i mean that picture turns up everywhere the next the next guy on our list uh here we've got i've got rod hay number two uh, 2007, he won the average at the NFR, qualified 20 times between 1989 and 2010. He qualified but would not compete. That uh, last bucking horse he would have got on was in Innisfail the uh, the day I think I filled my pro card maybe, or my permit, one or the other. I don't know which it was, but I remember being there that day. Uh, he's got 400 points from the NFR, 40 from winning the NFR average, and eight-time Canadian champion. Puts him at 520. I'll let you speak to mr rod hay first dustin <laughs> oh i got lots i can say about roddy i mean tell us a story first maybe what do you what's your best rod hay story 
Best yeah, Rod best Hay start. story is that if you're yeah. traveling with Rod Hay, we bet or gamble on everything as a competition. <laughs> there's there's nothing that we don't compete we didn't compete on or whatnot. We didn't there was nothing that we ever went out and did just because it seemed like it was fun. If we went go karting, it was if you lost you were buying a hotel room. And if we went golfing well, you were buying drinks. I, I mean, everything was, or you're buying dinner. I mean, there was nothing where it's just like, let's just go golfing and enjoy it. If we, we would do that. But if you were doing it with Roddy, there's got to be some sort of, something's got to be on the line. Cause you don't just do it for fun. You got to do it. You do it <laughs> for fun. And then there has to be something extra with it all the time. We got to, we got to gamble or we got to bet something on everything. So, um, I mean, all super competitive, uh, but I mean, always, always positive. Uh, just, just hard to beat. Like, I mean, you, you couldn't, you can't keep that guy down. I mean, he's, you can just keep kicking him and he'll just keep getting back up until he, he wins. And I mean, that, that tenacity and that, you know, never give up thing, uh, paid him paid him in spades and i mean there's you know live for live for big moments i mean there's another guy that like he you put him there and you know everybody else might be be shaking in their boots and he would just be like it's another day like you know we're we're laughing and taking it you know like it's we're, we're back in the practice pen and i mean he he thrives in those big moments and those big rides and um i mean he's got a his career, you can go back and you can look at it and he, you know, the places where he's won and he's had success, there's, I mean, just, uh, you know, a lot of those rodeos, if you won them once in your career, you'd be happy. But I mean, he's got multiple Houston wins and Calgary. I mean, he bought a place with what he did at Calgary. I mean, just, just, just a winner. And yeah, I could do it on rank, rank horses. And, you know, he could, he, 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 made, he could he could ride any of them good too. Like it wasn't just like, you know, Rod. Roddy'd ride the good ones and the bad ones, and he'd make all of them. Work good. What What are your thoughts, Wayne? Would you Would you still put uh, on your list? Would you put Rod second overall without the world title? First of all, he drives too fast. <laughs> Dustin, you can testify to that. I tried to, he went through Okotoks one day and I wanted to talk to him and I seen him. I turned around trying to catch him. He's got, I hadn't have a, my cell phone on him. He's running like 140 and I'm trying to catch him and he, he drives. No yeah, there's no way you're going to catch him. I wouldn't, he probably doesn't know it, but there was lots of time that I slept in the back seat of the truck and that's only because I could lay down and do my seatbelt up still instead of, <laughs> instead of the camper and that was just because I was in fear for our like that there, there, there's no way that we could push it to the limit that fast all the time and not eventually get in a wreck or whatnot. And we never did, thank God. But yeah, there was, there was more than one where I was just laying in the back seat as opposed to the camper or anything else. And I had my seatbelt done up across my lap back, back there, even though it was I, well, I never, big. I never traveled with him, but the good, the, the, those that did told me that if you want to get there fast, let him drive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, seriously. No, I, I just ditto on what Dustin said. I mean, the, the guy's a class act. He's a cowman. He's a family man. He could ride drunk. He, he, he's a winner. He's one of them that I, you know, I dwelled on a little while ago to take advantage of them situations because he's, 
you know, I don't know what it is that what pressure does to some people when they buckle, but he don't buckle. Never did. And, and you know, like, it don't matter if you're riding in an airplane with him or wherever you're at. He's always got a, a good attitude. And he was, it, it, to sum him up, he was a winner. Yeah. That's well, it. He's a, he was yeah, a winner. If you, if you want to explain, Roddy, the best thing every time, I mean, as a rodeo cowboy, you always have free time during the day or whatnot. And, you know, we have time to kill lots of time. The rodeo is not till the evening. And so, you know, you go to the odd go-kart track or whatever. And the first question that Roddy Hay always asked every time that we ever went to any place and we ever went go-karting is the guy goes through the rules and tells you what you had to do and all this stuff. And Roddy's first question would be to the guy every single time. Yeah, but has anybody ever done it without using the brake? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the way he drives. That's the way, you know, he's pedal to the metal, flat out. All you know, he's he's going for first every time. He's not worried about hitting the ground. He wants to win first, and if he doesn't win first, he's going to go down in flames, kind of thing. And that's that's what makes Roddy. That's what made him great, and that's what makes him scary when you're competing against him. Is you know that he's not going to leave anything, hold anything back. You're going to get all of it. Yeah, and the, and the only best part of it is Dustin that he's got a couple of kids coming up and they you know they act just like him so i think oh, yeah. it's a wonderful thing yeah the Great apple, for rodeo. Apple didn't fall that far from, i always say no, every branch no. on the way down no both of them are great kids and both of them ride really well and you know we need we're we're famous for our bronc riders in canada and we need them more coming just like them the the, the last uh, name on the list that i have here and i'm uh, i'm curious if we have a, if we might have a general consensus at the top, but Marty Wood, three-time world champion, fourteen times to, to the NFR, and uh, a fifteenth qualification where he, he didn't compete, uh, won the NFR average title in nineteen sixty-six, and was a three-time Canadian champion uh, between nineteen fifty-eight and uh, nineteen seventy-four. Long career, fifty-four, fifty-five, sixty-three on the Canadian titles. Uh, also was a four-time reserve world champion, according to the numbers. Is, is there, is there anybody else that like we we? He's kind of our undisputed number one, if I'm if I'm guessing across all three of us. But I, I want to get your your thoughts first, Wayne. Marty Woods come from Bonasta, Alberta. His dad owned a, a a dude a dude string thing, and they and he rode saddle horses all his all his life. And he, he never was a ranch, much of a, you know, like a ranch cowboy or anything like that. But when he come on the scene, this this looked like a matinee idol out of a movie. He's a good-looking guy and <clears throat> good-shaped hat. And, and he, he just, you know, Casey Tibbs was, you know, all dressed in purple and rode. Uh, Marty, then Marty come along, and he was the next star in that, in that generation. And like I said, he, he whipped his arm, which was an amazing thing. And, and it, like, in, he'd whip his arm in front of him and then back behind. It was just a style that he adopted from somebody. And I tried to copy it, and, you know, a couple of times, and I didn't end up so good. It, didn't, it, it knocked your balance right off. But he could do it. And a good guy and, and a high-class guy. And, you know, he rode with an old white Thunderbird and back in the day and, and, you know, full of class. And he was, you know, basically my idol when I was, you know, starting to ride Bronx and I, I looked up to him. And 
and he ended up living in Pendleton and until he passed away here, you know, maybe a year ago. And uh, just first class, though. I, I, I traveled, I got to travel with him some and, uh, you know, good attitude. And, and, and he lived first class and he was first class. And, and his bronc riding ability, like I said, he could make, he could make something out of not much and better than most people I ever seen. He'd make, he'd make an, an 18 pointer look. He thought he was 21, you know, it's just, uh, he had that ability and, 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 and that's common knowledge, you know, people talked about that, you know, like, you know, put Marty on an average horse and for lack of a better word, he would dress him up. Well, you, you mentioned Casey Tibbs, but we, we uh, we could make a list of the greatest ever in the in the entire world, and a lot of the names on this list would likely be on that best best ever in the entire world. But Casey Tibbs is uh, I think he'd be a four time world champion. Or a lot of our guys on this on this list uh, in Canada uh, would contend in the, in that world that world list. Really, the, there wouldn't be a whole whole bunch of guys. You'd have Billy Atbauer, Casey Tibbs. Um, There'd be there'd be a bunch more Dan Mortensen, uh, but there'd be a uh, there'd be a few of these names on that list uh, of the best ever in the entire world. Oh yeah, That's, if if we went and put a you know bronc riding list together of best bronc riders in the world or ever, there's three of, you know three or four of these guys at least that are going to make that that list easily. What are, what are your thoughts on Marty Wood though though Dustin is he is he your number one or or would you yeah think? I I would have to say I mean what what Marty won and what he was what he could do and I mean I didn't get to see him ride I've seen videos and everything of it and got to meet him several times and every time that I ever was around him or met him he was just a seemed like a he was super good guy I mean we yeah it was he was easy to get along with, easy to visit with for myself anyway. And, um, yeah, I mean, what he was able to do and, you know, what, what, what he got done are pretty, pretty hard to to argue with, with his resume. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing and remarkable as far as like, if you wanted to be a drunk rider and that's what you wanted to do. You'd be lucky. You you would say that you had a good career if you did half of what Marty Wood did in his. Is do we have any uh, other closing thoughts? I've I've kept you guys way longer than I initially agreed to, so I, we better wrap it up here quick. But uh, is there any well, any closing thoughts here? Oh, I'd just say sure. You haven't kept us that long. We're talking about things that we like, and we got nothing <laughs> but time. So okay. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I think. I, I mean. I'd say. Canada's been known for its bucking horses and for its bronc riders. And uh, I, I think the ones that are there are, would be on anybody's list. Like you said, and if we talked about the best bronc riders in the world, I think there's lots of these guys here. And I mean, there's, uh, I think there's lots more that are coming up. And in, if we did this in five more years, there might be a whole bunch of new names coming up. I mean, that's one thing we've, we've always managed to find talented bronc riders and be able to raise them. And part of that's because we have, uh, super bucking horses up here, and uh, I don't. We've been known for bronc riders, and I don't think anything's going to change in the past, present, or the future, as far as that's concerned. Wayne, what do you, what do you have for closing thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here? Well, it's been a great conversation, and and we, this is a great list of bronc riders. It's 
it, I'm, I'm a little torn if you're going to try and pick who do you, who I you know who we think is the best when there's different categories of those that go harder and try harder and those that are fancy and and those that stay on longer and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, great conversation. And uh, like I said, I can't dwell on enough that the horses kept getting better. And if, you know, some of the guys in back in different eras had the advantage of the horses that, that we have today, you know, uh, they probably, you know, they might win more awards, but if you take all the guys that are on this list and if you put them all at the same age, there'd be, there'd be 10 guys that, you know, that all capable of winning. Right. I mean, it, it's hard to take Marty Woods and Kenny McLean in that era and, you know, put them in with Zeke Thurston and, and like Zeke is right at the top, top of my list cause, because he hasn't finished what he, what he's going to be able to do, you know? So it's pretty hard to, you know, to not, not put him up there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm high on this guy. And I think there's a guy that takes advantage of a good situation right there is Zeke Thurston. I mean, that, that's what makes him so good. And I think that in five years from now, if we're having this conversation, you know, his marks could be, you know, higher than anybody. I, uh, I totally agree with you. I, he could be, you know, I think he's 24 or five at this point. He could be, he could be a five, six-time world champion by the end of this. He could be one of the greatest in the history of the sport. It's uh, there's there's no telling. Um, Absolutely. Speak. You you brought up a, a point to put them all. If you put everybody at the same age, who would you uh, put at the very top of just in the pure bronc riding? If they were, if all these guys, all of uh, all the twelve we have here together, were at the NFR at the same time. Yeah, Dustin. What do you think? All ten of them at the same time oh, at the NFR. Sure, who would? Who sure, would? Ask, who's ask, your pick? If it, Rod's Rod's Wayne's, making you bet on it, what when, what are your when Wayne's when Wayne's seen more of them than I have? Ask the guy that's seen more of them, the least of them in real life. You know what? That's that's awful. That's awful tough uh, question. If I was gonna, because I mean, like Wayne said, everything's the era that they were in and the horses, the caliber of the horses and stuff that they got on. But, oh man, I'd, I got to pick one, one out of 10. Hey, that's what we've been talking about this for hours. And now I'm feel like I'm on the spot. Like this is, we're at Calgary for a hundred thousand or something here right now, or this is the we're 10th round right now, Ted, but uh, just, I'd have to say just, just because I've, I, I seen him when he was a kid and I thought that doesn't matter what he's going to do, whatever he picks up, he's going to be great at. I think, I think Zeke Thurston is probably the guy that if I, if I had to pick when it's all said and done, uh, it all the things that, you know, and because of where he's, where he's at and what I think he's got left, I, I think, I think Zeke's probably the guy. Wacy, who do you think? That's a hard question for me too, because I've only seen a handful of these guys. But just given, um, like seeing Zeke in those situations, those when you got to ride to win and that kind of thing, I think Zeke would be my guy as well. Like <clears throat> given his three his three time winning at, at the Calgary Stampede in a row, and then obviously winning two world championships, he knows how to win when money's on the line. So I think, yeah, Zeke would definitely be my guy. Be- before you go, Wayne, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna pick Rod Hay, just because he was probably one of the guys that that uh was a hero in my career that got kind of got me 
into rodeo and wanted to be involved in this sport and was somebody I've known his name since the very beginning. So I've been a Rod Hay fan for a long time. I'm going to go with Rod Hay, but I'll leave it uh, leave you with the last pick, Wayne. Well, I'm torn between Kenny McLean and Zeke Thurston. And because what Zeke is capable of, I'm going to go with Zeke. And I don't want to offend any of my friends out there, but uh, <clears throat> Kenny McLean, of course, is not with us anymore. Different different situations here. That, that's a tough question. But uh, I, I'm going on what Zeke can do, too, as well as what he's done. So I'm going with Zeke. So three Zekes and one Rod Hay. Geez, you guys really went against me on that one. But I'll... Uh... <laughs> ah. <laughs> I guess we better we better wrap it up though. Uh, the, since the name of the show is uh, is cowboy shit, I, I'd like to get a definition from you guys. We uh, we've been collecting these from everyone since we started. So, Dustin, uh, I didn't I probably didn't tell you we were gonna do this, but what what's your definition of, of cowboy shit? I would say just somebody or something that's I mean, not gonna take you're not gonna take no for an answer. You're you're going to be your own man, be a maverick. You're not afraid to go out and, you know, buck the odds and take chances. And if it gets tough, you're willing to get tough too. Wayne, Wayne what a, what's your definition? Well, cowboys, are, they're a great breed. And I've, I've made a lot of friends and I've seen a lot of generations come and go. And hopefully we get through what we're doing and we see more generations, you know, <clears throat> that are coming up. And, and that's probably the... One of the most interesting things to me is, like, I was born into this, right? My from my dad, and I, I've never really had a real job, so I just sort of cruised through doing this. And I've watched a lot of generations of cowboys come and go. I got a, there's a, you know, there, there's a lot of good ones and a lot of friends, and uh, have come and gone, and and we've got friends that are still around. And what's kind of sad for me is when them really good cowboys or, or any of the cowboys that are my friends. And then, you know, one day you see them and then the next day they're off and, you know, they quit and, and it's just, just like a, another chapter. And so I say the continuation on with the next generation of cowboys, I look forward to. And uh, like I said, we're sitting here at home, we're all dressed up and we're ready to go and looking forward to, you know, seeing my friends again because them cowboys are my friends. Bucking horse rider and he likes him a little wilder than most. And you can tell just by looking, though he'd be the last one to boast. Unless he Thanks again to Wayne Vold and Dustin Flundra for being on the show this week to top to talk about the greatest bronc riders ever in Canadian history. Uh, hell of a list we put together there, Hayway. So I guess we better better yes. recap just to uh, just to begin. So for those you've already listened, but just to recap on the list, we've got uh, a couple honorable mentions. So Glenn O'Neill has 370 points, which would have put him in the top 10. 
but he wasn't born in Canada. So we still had to mention him that he's uh, a guy that very well could be on the list, but for our sake um, is a Canadian citizen but wasn't born here. So our list was the top 10 Canadian born, and it kind of gives us a little more it kind of gave us a little more leeway to to add a couple more names to the list that wouldn't have made it otherwise. So okay there. And then Pete Knight, 400 points, but he was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is that right? Where's Philadelphia? Pennsylvania, yeah. It is, yeah. Okay. Don't know. I don't know my Northeast geography very well, but uh, yeah, Pete Knight, 400 <laughs> you points. You have a big map on your, on your wall in your living room. Yeah, but that's the world. That's not the whole planet, man. Give me a break. But anyways, that would have put him number five on our or number six on our list ahead of Rod Warren, and then with four hundred and four hundred points, we would have been uh, number five for Pete Knight. But anyways, going back reviewing the list, number ten was Dwayne Danes with a hundred and ninety points, and in number ninth spot was Carl Olson, the nineteen forty-seven PRCA World Champion, two hundred and ten points. Go to number eight, Winston Bruce, nineteen sixty-one World Champion. 320 points, 10 NFRs, a world title, and two Canadian titles. Going to number seven is our uh, only current uh, contestant, Zeke Thurston, two-time world champ in 2016 and 2019. 2019 Canadian champ, five NFR qualifications and an NFR aggregate title. Puts him in at 350 points for number seven. Go to number six is Rod Warren. Did I say 350? That's right. So Rod Warren, number six, four NFR aggregate titles, three of them were in a row, nine NFR qualifications and two canadian titles and another like i think it's i think he's a nine-time um canadian all-around champion too if i remember right which is pretty impressive too but we're just talking bronc riders mel coleman number five 390 points 16 consecutive nsfrs from 74 to 89 uh seven-time canadian champion as well Kenny McLean, number four, 450 points. He was the world champ in 62 the year after Winston Bruce. Uh, won the NFR average three different times, five-time Canadian champion, nine-time NFR qualifier, and also made the NFR on the tie-down roping, which is pretty wild. Brings us to number three. Yeah, brings us to number three, Mel Highlands, seven, 470 points. He's the 1972 and 1976 world champion, five-time Canadian champion and 11 qualifications to the NFR. Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee, 1996, is what, like, the only guy that isn't in the Hall of Fame on our list here is, uh, is, Ra, is, is Zeke. So far, he's the only current guy. Everybody else is in the Hall of Fame. He's one, I feel like he's well on his way. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he'll be one of those guys, and they're probably, I hope that it becomes that way, uh, by the time that Zeke retires. He'd be a first ballot as soon as he's done, he should be in, rather than waiting yeah, around like some of our guys have to, which is kind of bullshit in my opinion, but, that's a story for another time. Rod Hayes, number two on our list. He had 520 points. And, and this is one of the, uh, what would you say, like uh, uh, dilemmas I had with this list because Rod wasn't a world champion, but he went to 20 NFRs, which is more than anyone else on our list. Yeah. So, and he was the eight-time Canadian champion. He has more, more Canadian titles than anybody else. Also won the NFR average in 07. So points-wise, he's ahead, but I don't know if you really could rank him higher. Sometimes I mean, if too. you're going off the point system, then you just got to ride, ride go it off the point system. That's what it is. Yeah, that's, so, just, yeah, that's the way it is. So that's the way the cookie crumbles. Rod Hay, number two. And number one, Bonas Alberta's Marty Wood, 650 points. Three-time world champion, 1958, 64, 1966, 14 NFRs, one NFR aggregate title, and three Canadian titles. Marty Wood, 650 points. Just for comparison, our top bull rider on our list, Daryl Mills had 250. So I don't think we're going to – we're not. We're definitely not going to find anyone else in our uh, – in the greatest Canadians in the rodeo business with more than 650 points 
Marty Wood. Yeah, if you're doing the if you're doing the list of the greatest Canadian rodeo athletes, that's probably the top one by far. Yeah, he'd have to be be one of the top ones. I don't know anybody else that could get much closer. So uh, yeah, Marty Wood. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope that way. Thanks again to uh, Wayne Vold, Dustin Flunder for being on the show. That was a it was a really fun conversation. A lot of good stories. Yeah, it's cool. it's cool to have like the generate two guys from two different generations and be able to come and talk and speak to everybody. And yeah, that was neat. I liked it. Super cool, bro. Um. Okay, so we're still in quarantine. What have you been doing? This is social distancing episode. What number three? I I think two or three. I forget now. Yeah. I've lost track of most of my life at this point. <laughs> the days seem to bl- blend together. It's just like turned into a perpetual Sunday. It's weird. It's real like. weird. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, but. but now in Canada, thank, thankfully, it's warm again, which is, which is oh, glorious. Dude. There's the sun. The Today snow is almost gone. Delight. Yeah, the snow is almost gone in my backyard. Seven months after it's first landed there, back last fall. Holy crow! That was no, a long good. winter, man. I think that'll help. I think that and that'll help out with like some nice weather and some sunlight will help turn some people's spirits around a bit. Oh, it's turned my spirits around. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, what have you been doing though? You got finally. What have I been doing? Um, I've been TikTok. studying for fun, studying for still making TikToks, putting out some content there. Yep. Um, have you made it big yet? Studying for. Have you got? Have more than? Do you have more than than ten followers? I have almost four hundred followers. Now. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's Muslim, almost. Yep. I had my first one. Of my, I had my first video reach ten thousand views today, or that's, this week. That's almost more than families watching now, Ways. That's big. That's yeah, big, not man. too bad. Big. I have another one that's hot on its tails for 10,000 views. So nice. get some traction on a few of them, which is cool. So you're uh, almost viral studying... is what you're saying. I think so. I don't know what the definition of viral is. It's a when million. It comes to TikTok, so so. Don't oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not close. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I've just been studying for finals and... I bought a bike today, a mountain bike. So I'm gonna be able to do some ripping around. I got some good news about my knee this week, which is nice. Yeah, uh, I'm on the mend. I can I can start running and doing more activities and kind of getting building some more strength and that what whatnot back. So that's right that's on. kind of a positive on my end of things. Yeah, right on, right on. Well, yeah. uh, how about me? Oh, not much. How Taking are, yeah. the dog for lots of walks. Don't have to shovel the water out of the driveway anymore because it's it's the the low spots. It's drying up. The snow's almost gone. Uh, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. We took a bunch of stuff from Don's the other day. He gave like gave gave me a whole bunch of stuff taking over the the boot business and the, all this different stuff. So we've got we had catalogs and just all sorts of stuff, banners and ton of stuff. So we went through all that the other day, got it all cleaned up, found a cool couple of cool old pieces. I got to send you these, some pictures of these things. I'll put them on the social media too, but we got these snuff can lids, lids, these CPR like Pro Rodeo Canada snuff can lids with the old Maple Leaf logo oh, cool. on them. They're pretty wicked. So found some cool stuff. Um, yeah, just uh, just living though, man. You know, I don't know. I don't know what else is going on. Team living. The, uh, by the time, um, well, actually, I don't know how to say this, but I don't want to jinx it, but we might have a really, really big guest on the next show, uh, our biggest yet. Ooh. So I'm not going to, I don't want to jinx it on who it is or I'm not going to say anything until we have the recording ready to go and it's all good. So mm-hmm. just going to leave you guys with a little teaser that we uh, got a big show, really big show coming up for 64. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for 6 So I think we'll wrap it up there, Waze. You got anything else? You had one question I'm you were going to ask. 
But I feel oh, right. Yeah. So a question that I was thinking of the other day is like, when was the time you were most scared getting on the bull? Getting uh, on the bull. Paradise Valley. Uh, I don't know if the bull's name was like little, or I don't know what the hell his name was. He was some crazy son of a bitch from, uh, from Gerlitz's originally. It was like a black, black and white bull. I think they called mm-hmm. him Remington Crazy at one point, or Remington Country, and I called him Remington Crazy because there was a screw loose on this bull. But he was just the meanest, <laughs> the meanest bull in the history of, like I don't know, like he wasn't like Oklahoma wishes mean, but like not many mm-hmm. people had to attempt their fate against that bull. But like I didn't want anything to do with this thing, and I think I got on four bulls that night because I think it was a two header and I double ended for some stupid reason, and I was rattled oh, by this fucking bull. He was real <laughs> bad, man. Tanner Gillis would know the name of that thing. I'd have to ask him again now. But I was totally terrified. Never been more scared in my life. Like, just didn't want anything to do with this bull. And did not even probably get past the end of the shoot gate. It was was real bad. (laughs) Like, I might as well have just turned out because it was, I was scared. You were already beat before you even got Oh, yeah, it was bad. It was near the end. So, I knew uh, not long after that. I didn't want to ride the bull that bad. So, that's fair enough. (laughs) What do you got? Um, I would say I, I have a tie for, for first. The first one would be I was at a bull riding in Rimby a few years back, and I, I got on a bull on Nansen Volds, just a calf, and he was – I was hanging my rope on in the run-up alley on him. And he was trying to, like, dig under the run-up alley and get out and, like, gator rolling and, like – Yeah, this bull – Pretty scary. The same thing with me, man. Like, this thing was, like, hooking the – he was trying to hook the paint off the fence. He was that mean. Yeah. Then I go, I go to get on, they run him in, I go to get on him, and he's sweating, like full-on sweating beads. And I'm just like, fuck, like, this bull's going to kill me. I'm dead. <laughs> and he actually he actually ended up just hopping out there and splat spinning to the left. So I got, got by him. But he did run me over after a few times. So he did, yeah. He did live up to the hype. Yeah. And then the other time was in Arrowwood. I got on this calf of Josh and Tammy for days. And, um, man, this, this thing was, like, a, the scariest thing I've ever been on. He was... In the back end, you get to see him. He's heads up, like looking at you, ears forward, and it's like did he pass? I mean, the I didn't get along test. from the beginning, and so they run him into the chute, and there's three guys sitting on the chute gate. He hooks all three of the guys off the chute gate. Oh wow! I'm, like, I'm fucking gonna die. That's impressive. Like, this is me. Yeah, and I was like, okay, here we go. So get on him, shoot, whatever. Get out on him, and yeah, he he, I like probably couldn't have checked out faster, and he was hot on my tail. But it was a couple <laughs> times, and I was just absolutely terrified. I, I was there was one time I was a little more worried when we were in it was Vernon Texas there was this old bull called Gunsmoke I think what was his name is a black and black and white whatnot I've got I've got a cool picture on him from from there that day too we kind of he might have made a cool jump out like first jump out and I was kind of kicked yeah. back like it was it was cool but he just like kind of kicked and went around to the left and I rode him for like a seventy six or something then he yeah. kind of jumped straight. And I got off and I, everybody told me he was extra mean. And I like got off <laughs> running and was like, did a full leap over the fence, like the whole clutch the fence and kick your legs up over it. So yeah, I survived and didn't, I, I made out of it unscathed. But was he, was, what, did he live up to the hype though? Was he extra mean? Uh, oh yeah. Like he chased me, like he chased me down. Like I got off him, but I, he chased after me and I freaking piled over the fence. So I, I, got a, I, I just thought of another funny one. Was, I was in my Dale Saskatchewan and Cody Stranquist is out this old bull called Snowjet. He was <clears throat> what's his name? He wasn't bad when he was young. Snowjet. Snowjet. He, but as he Snowjet. Yeah. As he got older, he was got he got way meaner. So whenever I got on him, I got on him, and I, he 
hopped around the right and I rode him. And, it's, and he had one horn on his left side. And as soon as I like shifted my weight to like look over my shoulder and get off, he turned back and put that horn right in my fucking tailbone. Mm. And I was crippled. Like I mm. couldn't move. And he's like hooking the piss out of me. And the, some guy from behind the, the, the gate, like there's a shoot pan, or the panel of the arena, grabbed me by the top of my vest and pulled me under the shoot panel because I couldn't move. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Dang. Yeah, he was a mean old sucker. Dang. Good times. Good times. Glad we're done that part of our lives. We can yeah, uh, yeah. not have to do that. So that's good. Good. We had a good time, though. I, I enjoyed the times when I stayed on. So Yeah, was, me too, man. It's good. good times. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for doing this, Wace. Um, hopefully, no worries, looks like we're in this for a while here. A um, few more cancellations. Last I checked, uh, the CPRA had canceled already uh, 25% of their season. The PBR, though, they're coming back uh, this this weekend in, in Guthrie, Oklahoma, with televised events. So um, yeah. we'll uh, report on that after after those couple events, see how she goes. Well, we get to watch some bull riding. I'm, I'm looking forward to that part. Um yeah, we'll see how she yeah, goes. So here we go. Thanks, thanks, Wace. Thanks again, Wayne Vold, Dustin Flunder, for being on the on the show. And uh, this has been Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey, episode number sixty-four. Riding with nothing to lose Old cassette tapes of Chris Ledoux Six bronc riders in a minivan Gonna make it to the whistle and the pickup man Start to shoot one and I'ma shoot five Working their way right on down the line Eight second whistle is all I need Keep your feet in rhythm and out of them D's Jump for jump, make that ride Sit back and watch that spur still fly Break that neck in perfect time This ain't no brain retainment, it's a wild bronc ride Hey.